Hey guys, Jimmy Wags here, and I want to talk to you about a great new partner we have on Off the Rails. Now, you guys know, obviously, I'm a huge NASCAR fan, and on social media, I always tweet out all the new pictures of all the great new diecasts that I've collected over the course of the years. I love to collect NASCAR diecasts, so when we decided to partner with CircleBDiecast.com, I was too excited. CircleBDiecast.com has all your NASCAR diecast needs with tons of drivers to choose from. You can get standard finishes to pre-ordering race win diecasts of your favorite drivers. CircleBDiecast.com also sells NASCAR drivers, hats, T-shirts, and so much more. So when you place an order with CircleBDiecast.com, use the code SLOPPYELLOW and you get free shipping on all orders over $20. Once again, that's code SLOPPYELLOW, S-L-O-P-P-Y-Y-E-L-L-O-W. And get free shipping on your order of $20 or more. Also, what was great about CircleBDiecast.com is that they're a military-owned and operated company. So make sure you check them out and all the cool diecast and NASCAR products that they have to offer. That's CircleBDiecast.com. Billy Bradley, I was certainly entertained at Miami Homestead Motor Speedway. I thought it was a phenomenal race. I loved it from start to finish. They had lots of action. There was drama inside that race. It was really fun to watch. Even I mean, the last few laps was was super fun to watch. I know um, you got to see the end of it there, and I just thought that the way the race played out was it's a damn shame we're getting away from this car, Billy, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I loved what I saw down there at Homestead Miami Speedway. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I was uh, trying to get my garage straightened up and had MRN on all day, and I would always make it back up to kind of watch the end of the stage to see who was up front. You know, MRN always makes it seem like the race is a hundred times better. <laughs> like they make yeah. it feel like there's action all over the track. Yeah, damn it, they were not wrong at this yeah. track in Miami. Why we got away from this in the championship, I have yeah. no idea, but damn what a race. It's funny you said that. It's the first time in history a mile-and-a-half race sounded, or it was actually like the way it sounded on the radio. Um, and, and i tell you one thing. I will, those boys over there at the Roush Fenway Racing, uh, yeah, after the podcast um, last week, I texted Rob and I said, hey, man, it's time for you boys to do something good on the track. And, he's like, and he responded with something like, um, yeah, it's time to go to some ovals and start building up some points and getting back up front. And I'll be damned if they didn't do that. Let's bring Rob Lopes in here and talk about uh, talk about their day down in uh, in Miami. You ready? Well, Rob Lopes, we, uh, after last week's podcast, um, I texted you and I said, hey, man, it's time uh, it's time for you guys to get some 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 luck on your side and and, and show 
show what you guys can do. And you replied something to the effect of, yeah, it's time. It's oval season now. We're going to go out there. We're going to gain some points. And, um, and you were very positive and that sort of thing. And, and I, Billy and I have, have talked about it. Jimmy and I talked about it Sunday night. I thought the race was phenomenal at Homestead. I, it was probably literally one of my favorite mile-and-a-half races I, I have ever seen. And I say that because – in the last stage, a half of the laps in the last stage, the top five changed every fucking lap. That doesn't happen at mile and a half that late in the damn uh, in the race. And the ending was exciting. Um, you know, you had and you talked about it. You know, you got to. I asked you about Ryan Newman. I said Ryan Newman likes to run, you know, everywhere. And and you you said that. And I'll be damned if Chris Busher didn't come. If Chris Busher didn't come up there and just and just lead. He came up there and took it from Brad Keselowski. Yes, he did. He he took that with muscle and and skill, and it was impressive as hell to watch. It was fun to watch. Brad Keselowski knew he was going to come. He did the best he could. Couldn't hold him back. Uh, Busher gets up there, um, uh, wins stage, leads 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 laps. Here comes Ryan Newman. You guys, uh, Steve. I listened to Steve Latart and Nate Ryan talk this week, and and <laughs> Steve Latart was watching you guys he said he was watching you guys before um or, or or had you guys circled for some reason he thought you guys were going to pull some speed out at a mile and a half track and rob i'll be damned you guys delivered and there was there was great speed in the car and from from your standpoint uh, i guess you guys were you guys set up a little bit a little bit tight in the beginning so you'd be loose at the end is, is that how it went I, I i wasn't exactly sure how how you guys had the car set up we, we, I think we, we were a tick, uh, a tick on the snug side, and then we were tight loose, and as the sun was going down, we, I'm, we were adjusting, and our adjustments were, it, from a broad scope, I, I mean, both cars, you saw a lot of promise out of RFR yep. at Homestead, a lot of promise. Big, more raw speed out of both cars, obviously with the 17. Um, I think the 17 got lost once the sun went down. They kind of lost, you know, their their car went away. And yeah. some others did as well. It wasn't just them. Um, and obviously the 24 came on like gangbusters because everybody was racing for second. Yeah. There was yeah. about 10 to go. I mean, just yeah. racing for second. Mm-hmm. Um, the six, uh, we were we were decent. I mean, we weren't, we didn't have to take big swings all day. It was, uh, you know, around here, a half around here. Yeah. You know, a half a pound of air here or a pound of air here, you know. It wasn't not real big swings. I think Ryan was happy. Um, from an overall standpoint, uh, I think the hard work has shown. Mm-hmm. Um, but one race does not a season make. Yeah. And uh, all I – from a, conser- a conservative positive outlook is it showed promise. Yeah. And to get and to touch base to revert back to the conversation we were talking about of how Homestead is hard on tires. Yeah, you know it's one of those older tracks, and we've got a couple of them on the season. You know, heck, we're going to Atlanta twice, yep. uh, Darlington twice. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other monster that was tough on tires that I can think about right now would have been Fontana, but we grabbed that race for the year. Yeah, going so. Uh, from a tire, and I, and Ryan's good with that. Ryan yeah. is good at managing his stuff. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go to Vegas this week. 
which is a little bit different. It's a mile and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not quite a tire eater. You don't necessarily have to manage the tires quite as quite as hard, quite as much. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. well, you, let me ask another, you. another litmus test for us yeah. as far as where our program is. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay, um, because I agree. I agree with that. It's you know, hey, it's great progress. That's one. Uh, we're going to go do another one this week. It was amazing. It was fantastic. I I I, I love the race, and, um, and it's good to see you guys get up there and 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 race up front. Um, definitely, that's de- definitely we needed we needed that. You know, to get try to get the ship turned around from earlier this year. You know, yeah. getting blasted out early and they yeah. you know in the five hundred you know, just start your season off in a hole. And then we go back to a road course that Ryan is not wonderful at. Yeah. So, you know, you're basically, you're just there to try to stop the bleeding at that point. Yeah. Finish the race. Don't get in any incidents, you know, get the best finish you can. All right, let's get out of here and let's get to an oval and let's go, let's go racing. I got a question for you that um, I haven't talked about uh, with Billy or anything. I, I found it, I don't find it funny. I, I, well, I guess it's funny not in a, in a ha-ha way, but the 11 team was sent to the back for a unapproved change. In the, uh, I, I, have you heard about this, Rob? I know they went to the back for unapproved change, but I don't know what the unapproved change was. So Denny Hamlin tweeted out that all the ECUs get shipped to NASCAR. NASCAR locks them, sends them to the team. Um, apparently their ECU was unlocked and I, 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 NASCAR's standpoint was you're supposed to check them and they didn't and NASCAR found it. So, I mean, I, I think NASCAR made the right rule. I mean, made the right call. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I, I assume if they're unlocked, you could tamper with them or that sort of thing. They, they weren't tampered with or, or whatever. They were just unlocked. And um, is that I, I've never heard of that before, Rob? Is that is that something I, new? I I I mean, this is kind of foreign to me because I'm well, I'm not an engine guy, but I yeah. understand what goes on. I know NASCAR plugs in, uh, you know, the the tuners and the and the engine builders. You know, everybody's plugging in. You know, you tune the car. The tuners tune the car with a laptop now. You're not you know yeah. changing yeah. floats or you're adjusting idles and stuff like yeah. that. You you yeah. plug you're your laptop in. You tell the ECU what fuel map you want to run, what yeah. engine brake you want to run, you give it, you tell it what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And as near as I, from what I understand or what I think happens is NASCAR always plugs in your ECU to see what's going on, to see what you have in there, what have you. And I don't know if there's a portion of it that's locked or how, exactly how it all works. Yeah. But, I know that it, there has to be certain settings and there are certain parameters that they have to see and everything has to be copacetic for them to say, okay, yeah. everything's cool here. Yeah. And I don't, like I said, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but, and I, like I said, I didn't even know what happened with the 11, but that sounds, I mean, if it's, if it's an error on NASCAR's part, okay. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's your due diligence to make sure everything is the way it's supposed to be when you unload that car. Yeah. So if they miss something, yeah. I mean, it's on them. I, I, I right. and, and, and it sucks. I mean, I hate that it happened, but fact of the matter is, you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, in my business, in everybody's business, you, you know, you get the mundane things, you get the part out, 
you know, you, you expect a pencil to have lead in it when you pull it out of the box, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't expect there to be a malfunction in it. You know, it's one in a in a in a, a million or ten thousand or whatever. And I thought that was I thought that was odd. It was definitely an unapproved change. And most people don't know. Like what, the first time I walked through the garage um, a few years ago, when they when they we did away with the carburetors and all that kind of stuff and whatever, and I saw laptops being hooked up, I was like, what the hell are they doing? I, yeah. I, I, you know, it's a very weird thing, but all these little um, pencil-necked engineers are sitting on every car with their laptop on it, or they're holding it right beside it, and they got a, yep. a, a harness in there, and they're and they're doing everything that you just said with the fuel maps and the engine brake and all that, and it's it's a very interesting thing to watch, um, uh, especially from a. Uh, a guy who, you know, had to open up the float on a carburetor on this piece of shit Chevy that he had um, when he was uh, 18 years old. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, an interesting thing um, for sure. Well, Billy, uh, now we got that out of the way, um, we, we, we can move on here to a little bit of the news this week. And I, I got to tell you something. It was not a whole lot of news. There's a lot of news about Bristol, and apparently everything I know about stock car racing is going to be out the damn window, and we're not, neither one of us <laughs> are ready to talk about that shit yet, um, but some interesting news uh, real quick that I just saw here um, uh, come across my, um, uh, my news article here is that the team that Natalie Decker is driving for, was driving for, sold the owner points to another group. And right now, is nobody is sure, as we're taping this on Thursday, there's not too many people that know if she's going to race again. Um, because the team that she was running with doesn't have owner points anymore. So that's, that's a very interesting situation. We're in what race four of the season four. And, uh, wow. yeah. and already we got some movement up here with some of these smaller teams. I, it's very interesting to say the least. I don't remember this happening once the season got started, Billy. We, I haven't heard people buying points in a long damn time, but I'm a little surprised at this. Yeah, I would like, uh, I'm going to be anxious to follow this story and see like who bought the points because somebody bought it. They bought them for a reason, so yeah. this is going to be interesting news to follow. Yeah, I think uh, uh, OUR Motorsports or our Motorsports or whatever they're called. I think they bought it, but and I don't know much except I think Natalie Decker couldn't be more overrated. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, so far she hasn't impressed me with one thing that she's done. No. Uh, so it'd be interesting if she she gets back in the in the car or not. But we, we got to talk a little bit about. Um, did you listen to Dale Junior. Download this week, Billy? Oh man, I did, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest here because I know we have some fans over there that like to check us out. I wasn't <laughs> excited about this download. I'm usually like I keep refreshing my news feed every Tuesday a podcast to get it going in. When wow. I saw it was Jerry Punch, I was like, ah, I'll catch it later on. And you had texted me and said you got to listen to it. <laughs> Well, Billy, like, wow. it, it's funny. I, I I get up with the damn chickens and go to bed with the chickens. Uh, you, you go to bed before the chickens go uh, uh, and, and wake up before the damn chickens. But I woke up at 3.30 this morning, couldn't go back to sleep. I'd already been asleep since 9 o'clock, so I'm old as hell. I'm tired. So I, <laughs> And so I just, as I was getting ready to shave, I turned on Dale Jr. Download. I wasn't super excited about it either. Um, but, but right off the gate, they talked about, 
I mean, Dale Jr. for the first 13 minutes or so talked about Noah Gregson. And the way I took this, now, I, listen, I think everybody knows my stance on Noah Gregson. I think he's a punk. I think he's a little bitch. I think if he ever fought a man, he'd get his ass kicked. Uh, you know, I, I don't think much of him. But, damn it, I, we need him in the sport. I mean, I, he, he's, uh, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's kind of like a young Kyle Bush, except he's not as good. He, he he starts a lot of shit. There's always news about him. You can always expect him to um, to get something going and those sorts of things. And and I gotta be honest with you, bro. I I don't think Dale Jr. is super happy with how he's handling himself in the race car. And I think Dale Jr. would rather him just shut his damn mouth and and race, but. I don't think Dale Jr. gave him uh, supreme confidence from the owner's standpoint. What would you take out of that? Well, I'm going to tell you as a fan, as a used-to-be fan of Noah Graxon, mm-hmm. once he got out of that car and what he said, what he said, I'm 100% okay with what he said because sure. he's leading the race uh, yep. three laps to go and get taken out. They put a mic in his face, bam, he's a moment. I'm the totally okay with what he said there. Was yeah. a big fan. Now yeah. we fast forward to Monday on Sirius XM, and they ask him he's had time to reflect. Will he change anything of what he said? And he said, no. <laughs> no. No. I'm done. Billy, when your parents give you uh, an opportunity to come clean when you're a kid, and you don't take that opportunity, the punishment's twice as hard. Yes. Um, and and he had an opportunity. I mean, I get it. Heat of the moment. He's a competitor. Right. If he doesn't get out and make a make an ass out of himself and get angry and all that kind of stuff, I'm not sure he needs to be, you know, in big-time auto racing. But when you get a second chance and you're like, look, man, I, 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 because, he, you know, David Starr was on the lead lap. Yeah, he was in 12. 12th position. I mean, I mean, what the hell does he wanted? David Starr didn't want that to happen. You think that team wanted the wreck? Of, they made that finish. finish. Dude, they had to have that finish. It killed them. It was terrible. By the way, while we were talking, Jimmy Wags just texted both of us. <laughs> did, did, did you see what he said? Yeah. All I saw was the header, something about mark my words. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Noah Gregson won't be a driver at JRM next year. I, I haven't opened it up, but I, I, he must be listening to the download because <laughs> I, I did not take that as a good sign. I mean, Dale Jr. was everything he could, and, and what I saw, what I heard, was Dale Jr. trying to distance himself a little bit from that old knucklehead. And yeah. um, uh, and I think if Noah Gregson – Noah Gregson's in a weird point right now. His career could go really well or his career could get go sideways extremely fast. And what he better do is keep his damn mouth shut and win or keep talking shit and win. But one thing's for sure, he better get that son of a bitch in victory lane early and often or he, he ain't going to be around much longer. And and it's funny that you know you said you were a fan of his, and then all, it's just it's weird how silver spoon little bastards don't understand the opportunity that they have. And like Dale Jr. said, uh, David Starr and Carl Long over there, they have paid their dues in this sport. They grind it out. They don't do it because somebody else is paying for it. They do it because they love the sport. And when you talk shit about somebody like that who has no business getting shit talked to. Uh, you need your ass whooped, and I don't know if Dale Jr. is going to do it, but um, he, he's a fellow that's begging for an ass whooping somewhere. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, they they take that 
uh, Dale Jr. download, usually on Monday mornings yeah. pretty early. And he had said he had done tried to contact Noah several times, and uh, he would Noah knew not to answer that phone because he knew <laughs> they done had a talk with him once. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't bode well for Noah Gregson. I think he's got some talent behind the wheel. I think his um, uh, his brain and his hands just they uh, his he his has, brain and his mouth are not connected. That's for damn sure. What's that? He has talent, but the yeah. kid has always had the ride to to put that talent to good use. He's yeah. in KBM trucks. He goes over to Junior Motorsports Xfinity cars. Yeah. He needs to go back down to the bottom and take some of his dad's money and start at yeah. the bottom and come back up. That's yeah. when you realize where you're at. Yeah, he, he. I hope, you know, I hope that young man gets it figured out because learning a lesson like that is a hard song bitch to learn when you when you have to do it. Oh man, that uh, that's a that's a long fall. We got to talk about something else before we even talk about Jerry Punch. Dale Jr. We got a little bit of insight in here to Dale Jr. and and Stephen. Oh, I know where you're going here. Um, you know, we find out that in October of 2013, um, Dale Jr. found out Steve LaTarte was leaving, not from Steve LaTarte. And yeah. um, I thought that was very odd, number one. Not that Steve LaTarte necessarily, you know, needs to get a hold of Dale Jr. before he makes a life decision, but. To find, for Dale Jr. to find out a rumor from that, I thought that was very, very interesting, and, and it hurt Dale Jr. He, Dale Jr. said he literally cried, and he was hurt by that. Fast forward, uh, you know, the fans, we didn't find out until January 2014, but fast forward till a week ago when Dale Jr. found out, not from Steve Letarte, that, <laughs> that Steve Letarte was going to be crew chief in a race, and Dale Jr. again got emotional over that and and i i gotta be honest with you billy i was a little surprised i was a little surprised that dale jr still had those emotions uh coming up through him what what, what do you take about from all that well i also heard the port and i thought damn man i don't feel so bad neither because i tried when steve parker said he, we found out because yeah. we said it from the way back that had them two hooked up Years so, before, we would yeah. be able to celebrate a championship, and I believe that. I do, too. Billy, in 2013 and 14, I believe those boys racked up seven wins. and um, Seven damn wins, Billy, and that was the magic. It was just hitting its stride. Um, you know, I, 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 I'll be pissed. At, I, I'm not pissed at Steve Letarte for what he did. I'm more pissed at Steve Letarte that I – um, I, I made a bet that I'd buy, and I lost. I'd buy twenty damn of his koozies, and then I found out they were five bucks a piece, and I had to drop a hundred bucks. Oh Jesus, that that was. I'm probably more <laughs> mad about that than I am what he did there. I but, think I still had the one you sent me somewhere. <laughs> I, I, I think I burned. Uh, I gave them all away. It was a terrible reminder of me. I bet spent a hundred bucks on fucking koozies, um, and they were just plain green koozies. It wasn't yeah. even anything special, Billy. I I got robbed for sure. Um, but I thought that was very interesting that all these years later, um, uh, Dale Jr. still felt some type of way about that, and, and that just goes to show you how how excited he was to be a part of that team. And um, how and connected honestly, he was with Steve Letarte too. That you yeah. can feel it. Like you said, he said it when he found out that he was filling in for Corey LaJoy this week. 
that it, it took a special place in his heart. That, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. And and then uh, Mike Davis dropped a nugget in there that the only way in Dale Jr.'s contract, the only way he goes to NBC if it's Steve LaTarts on the team. And I was like, damn. Now we're starting to get into maybe a little something where uh, uh, maybe Mike Davis needs to give Dale Jr. some words of affirmation every morning. Um, Dale Jr., you're a good person. Dale Jr., everybody likes you. Gosh darn it, you're just a good – I mean, maybe he needs some words of affirmation, but I can tell you one thing, the the connection that Dale Jr. and Steve Letard had obviously was magical. Um, yep. They kind of brought it back to the forefront. You know, I, I had kind of forgotten about all that. How the hell they kept that quiet from October to January is kind of a mystery. Good for them. But I thought that was ex- extremely interesting. But we got to talk about Jerry Punch. For people who are new to the sport and don't understand, Billy, the one takeaway I got from Dr. Jerry Punch, first of all, I, I got a little emotional listening to some of his stories about you know, people dying and, you know, these sorts of things. And and, yeah. and, and back in the day, before Dale Sr. died, uh, NASCAR drivers getting banged up bad and hurt. And, yeah. and hurt and dying was a thing. I mean, I, every year somebody was out of the car for a couple of weeks or they were doing things like, you know, duct taping, you know, eyelids open and kind of stuff. And, and the one story that, that – that hit me pretty hard about this is when he's talking about how Rusty Wallace at Bristol. And I remember this, Billy, but I, nobody, I never heard this part of the story. Yeah. Rusty Wallace takes a terrible flip. You are a huge fan of Rusty Wallace. And if, and if, 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 if Doc Punch is not literally right there at a track and in that corner where it happened, um, Rusty Wallace probably dies. He 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 had a closed no airway. doubt. He couldn't breathe, and literally they they were cutting the roof off the car while Doctor Jerry Punch had his airway open with his fingers sticking through the window. Uh, Billy, that would could have been absolutely horrifically tragic, and I never knew that story until today. Yeah, like you said, I was a huge Rusty fan back in the day, and I, I knew about the wreck. I knew it was bad, but. I never knew it was to the extent that he had pretty much was dead in the car. And yeah. he even said it, that they put, said, uh, Dr. Punch, you're going to have to move back so we can get him out of his car. And he said, if I move, this guy is dying. I'm yeah. holding his airway. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. I had no idea that Dr. Jerry Punch was a trauma doctor, an ER doctor, that taught groups of people how to, you know, handle uh, triage and, and trauma uh, centers and that sort of thing. And the way he got his, his start by, you know, just kind of a uh, working at the, <laughs> in the, in the, uh, in the suite, so at the, in the press box up there, helping yeah. Ned Jarrett at the little, little local track and all this stuff that they're doing. And, and then all of a sudden he's announcing and then he's down at, you know, on pit road and he's doing things and, and it just literally, I mean, Billy, there is never going to be another Dr. Jerry Punch. I mean, there's just there, – I had no idea truly how special this man was until I heard this and found out all the things he did. He would give drivers fluids. He, he There was a driver laying on the floor of the hotel thinking he was having a, a heart attack. Turned out to be yeah. a gallbladder you know, problem. He goes and helps him. We all know the story about, you know – Talladega, the driver, you know, coming in and saying, I heard voices, I had to come in. Drove straight to the pits, never drove a race again. Dr. Jerry Punch said, I think he was having some uh, some health issues and he needed to get out of the car. I mean, I just, you know, it, and I know you're a huge Days of Thunder fan. Um, dude, he basically wrote half a Days of Thunder. 
Yeah, that was another thing, like the little part he tidbit he threw in about Tom Cruise being <laughs> dressed down with a hat and an old T-shirt, yeah. walking around Watkins Glen, like, yeah. that, that's just unheard of. And they had their little microphones and recorders taped to Tom Cruise so he could yeah. understand and play back how uh, Dr. Punch was interviewing the drivers. Yeah. That's crazy. I, they, they, you know, they were they had picked the person to play uh, Nicole Kidman, and it wasn't Nicole Kidman. And he's like, "No, no, 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 no. You need somebody pale. These type of people, they don't get out in the sun much. They're all the, they're inside working in the ER, the trauma units yeah. all day. Um, you got to do this, and, and lo and behold, here's um, uh, Nicole Kidman. I, it's just super fascinating, um, just wildly entertaining. I. And, and let me tell you something. For us old school guys who've been around for decades, uh, this was this was a very good reminder of you know how far this sport has come. But I want to tell you exactly. There are very few drivers in that garage right now that could do what the hell they do today in 1989, 1990. <laughs> I, I, those, those those people that are driving that car today, who, who I mean, especially these new guys. Yeah, just to be honest, these newer guys here cannot. Uh, you don't have a uh, Ricky Craven that raced with his eyelids taped open. These new guys here are they're they're not tough enough. They're not made for it. So it's glad the sport has changed. Yeah, no shit. We definitely are going in the right direction. But he tells a story, and and I won't ruin it for everybody. But when he put um, Dale Senior's clavicle back together um, while he was in the car, so that he go out there and race. I mean that's the kind of stuff that that that, that ain't going to happen anymore. These these drivers, I mean, there's too much money in it for it. I don't think anybody would do it. They would want to, right. but I don't think that they don't think their 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 owner, their sponsor, or anything like that. Hell, they, with HIPAA and all that kind of stuff now, they probably would get shot if um uh they probably have to pay a fine if they did anything. Anyways, I, I was wildly entertained with Dr. Jerry Punch. Um, I honestly believe, and you and I were talking about this today. I honestly think that we will never see a guy like Dr. Jerry Punch in NASCAR again. And quite frankly, if they would let him tell all his stories, um, I, I think he, he, he should probably have a uh, a little exhibit there at the at the NASCAR Hall of Fame because he's absolutely a, a, a treasure in what we got. Yeah, we heard about all the driver's life that he saved and all the other things, and I'm sure there's lots and lots of more stories. Because we're talking in the 90s, like yeah. these NASCAR drivers <laughs> – they uh, when they come into town, they partied on the weekends and raced on Sundays. Billy, let me ask you a question: How many shots of penicillin you think Doctor Jerry Punch gave Tim Richmond in the eighties? Oh shit! I'd say it's ungodly. <laughs> Tim Richmond probably uh, had, he had a, an IV. Uh, yeah, he had a he had a weekly appointment to see Doctor Jerry Punch to get something to take care of chlamydia or something is my guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. sure Jerry, Jerry Punch probably saved a, a ton of marriages and all kind of other things maybe, but um, super great interview. I was very uh, I was very surprised, very happy to get through with it. The one thing, um, and by the way, I, I texted Mike Davis immediately, and I said, hey, great interview. Why the hell didn't you ask him about him and Kurt Busch getting into it? Because if you know, in the he, he talked about how you know Dale Senior kind of pushed by his uh, his cameraman, and then the next week he went straight to Dale Senior's holler, woke him up, and and they kind of got into it. And he said, I probably overstepped the line, and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, Why the hell didn't you ask him about Kurt Busch stepping over the line and and him walking away like something? I, and and 
and Mike Davis said, "Dude, the conversation was headed in the right direction, and we could have we could have had him in there another couple hours." And and, and I agree that the, the the interview was fantastic. But dude, if I ever had a chance to talk to him, I'd ask him about that 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 thing because most new fans know Dr. Jerry Punch because that's what got Kurt Busch in trouble. Yep. Well, I got one other question. See, I texted Davis last weekend yep. about this other podcast. How long did it take you to reply? Let's see if he's well, yep. Billy. Yep. Billy, I, I'm. You're gonna. <laughs> are you sitting down? Yep. Billy, I texted him about the same time I texted you when I said, "Hey, did you?" I think I texted you first, and 20 minutes later, so it was early in the morning, right? I mean, it was probably before six o'clock in Texas, so it was definitely before seven. Uh, would you believe this? He called me, and we talked on the phone. Yes, Mike Davis <laughs> made a phone call, and now I can go back in my phone and probably find, I don't know, seven times where I he, he replies back about every seven times. But not only did he reply back to you, and you had a conversation last week. I, we talked on the phone today, and I at first I thought maybe he was in trouble. Maybe needed some bail money or something, but um, but no, he's two for two, Billy. I'm I'm very surprised. Wow, he stepped up the game. Stepped up the game for sure. Hey, let me ask you a question. You know who Connor Daly is? Yes. Who's Connor Daly? The golfer. <laughs> There's a dude named Connor Daly that's an IndyCar driver that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna race the trucks. Out at uh, out at uh, Vegas, I believe, and I had no idea. But for some reason, I, somebody asked me about that, and I was like, "Who the fuck's Connor Daly?" And I mean, I'm not sure I would care if he was driving a truck race, anyways. But um, I, did you know that an IndyCar driver was racing some truck races this year? No, <laughs> I didn't either, Billy. And that's that was a trick question because I had no idea. I had. Somebody asked me about it, and I had to look it up and research it. Um, another thing we got happened this week is uh, the state of Texas, um, uh, the, the blessed state of Texas, where I'm making this call to you right now, Billy Bradley, is open, open for business, son. And now I don't know what that means for Texas Motor Speedway. I don't know what that means for Circuit of the Americas, but I can tell you this, son. Um, I, I am very interested to see how how fans go back to the stadiums to the race to the racetracks and all that kind of stuff with with COVID. I don't think everybody's yeah. gonna make a big beeline and rush in there. Um and we talked about this a little bit, but now it's a it's a thing. I mean here in the next few months, um here in the next few months, I, Alabama is gonna be open up April first. I hope that's not a April Fool's Day joke, but what do you think the what do you think the attendance is gonna be like this year at NASCAR? You think we're gonna pack them in? You think it's gonna be kinda light? What are you thinking? No, I don't think we'll pack them in, and I don't think – I think we're we're a few years still away. I think this virus, you know, and like I said from the get-go, 100% I agree it's real. I think after the vaccines are all rolled out and everybody gets it, that of course it wants it, I think, you know, we go forward and we see how we go from there. I, I don't see – I mean, you know, I don't – I don't, I'll go to a race with my buddies. I don't want to go and pack in with a bunch of people I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I can tell you this. I, obviously, I believe in COVID. I also believe that um, nobody knows the real fucking number of cases or deaths or that sort of thing. I mean, I, I, 
Biden was going to cure it. Then he said he can't. And we've had over 100,000 people die since he's been president. Obviously, and, and by the way, nobody died of the flu this year, oddly enough. Usually there's a couple hundred thousand that die, but, but not this year. So, and this is why I was pissed last year that they, they made Jimmy Johnson get out of the car. And then two days later, he somehow tested a negative. The whole piece thing. Yeah, it kept him out because he didn't get points for an entire race. But the whole PCR test and all this, a bunch of bullshit. We can go on and on about this, but here's what I can tell you. COVID is definitely real. People are dying from it every day. Um, I also believe that if you're taking care of yourself and you're doing very basic things, that you're probably going to be just fine. There's a 99% um, survival rate uh, with the, with the damn uh, disease, but I do not think that people are going to – I just personally don't think people have the, the, the pocket cash to just go run out and spend the weekend at the racetrack like we used to, Billy. I mean, when you go to the racetrack – I mean, we go to Talladega. There, there's no way you're spending less than $1,000 unless you do it on the cheap. You're certainly not taking any family members there. I mean, by the time you get there, pay for your tickets, pay for a hotel. Pay, I mean, if you're going for the weekend, so, there's no way you can do it for less than 1000 bucks. Nope. Now, you and I have done it on the cheap – cheap as you possibly can get i mean just, just, there's no way you can do it cheaper um than the way you and i have, have gone to those things i just don't think people have the have the money i don't think people you know have the time i just you know every there's so much stuff to be made up it'd be interesting to see what happens but um texas is over for business we only got 15 percent going to vegas this 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 week um it'll it'll certainly be interesting uh to see what happens let's uh Let's bring Rob Lowe's back in here. Let's talk about this Vegas race. You ready? All right, Rob, we're headed to Vegas. It is an afternoon race on the on the East Coast, but it's a it's they're three hours behind, or I guess yeah, three hours uh, three hours behind. behind. So it's a noon. It's almost a one o'clock start, I guess, um, out yeah. there in in Vegas. It's supposed to be in the seventies, um, which is very pleasant. Very pleasant uh, for out there in Vegas. I think the last time you guys were out there, I mean, it was hot, like 105 degrees or some shit. Yeah, it was um, pretty brutal last time we were there, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you were in May, and it was uh, it was a, a little a little warm out there. But you're, And, again, this is a, a, a track that is, over the last couple of years has produced a great race. Um, I kind of expect to see the same type thing. You're running the same package that we ran in Homestead, and – on this track, Rob, I, I, I assume big blade nose ducks. Uh, yeah, nose ducks. Um, as this track is is not worn out quite as much as you know some no. of the other ones we talked about, but there is a little bit of tire wear here. Yes. Yes. Uh, and and that's one thing. That is one thing that I, I it happens faster in some places than than in others. I mean, pavement and and everybody knows because you drive on the road, pavement wears out. Pavement gets a little rough. You know, it gets abrasive, it crumbles, it does this, it does that. Vegas has aged well. There's not big temperature swings out there. It goes from pleasant to yeah. hot. Yeah. It, there's no cold, so, it, you know, the ground doesn't heave and all that sort of thing. And so, and it's, you know, a little windy, blow some sand around out there. And, you know, it, it's not, it, it does, it is, the pavement out there has definitely aged better than let's say Darlington, for example, because Darlington's been paved since Vegas has been paved, and Darlington is back to its old character. <laughs> yeah. And Vegas is still pretty decent. You know, the pavement holds up well. It's, it's not chewing tires up. So, yeah, but there's still going to be some strategy out there. I don't know if two tires are going to enter, enter into it or not, but there's still some, there's still some available strategy out there. 
All right, Billy Bradley, we've heard from uh, Rob Lopes. How do you think this race in Vegas is going to shake out, son? Well, we had another 3.30 late start for us. You know, Las Vegas has uh, put on a show the last few times we went out there. Yeah, I got to go with uh, my man, Kevin Harvick. going to put on a good show out there. And my dark horse, as we talked about the last week's race in Miami when old Busher got up front, I ran out to the yard and I screamed from the mountaintop. <laughs> so I'm going with the Roush Fenway, boy. Chris Boucher. Billy, uh, we heard Rob Lowe's talk about it earlier. Good for that bunch. Good to see. Um, I, I believe you. I, I think a, I think a Ford's going to win, brother. Um, but I, I, I'm leaning towards Joey Logano. And um, the reason I'm leaning towards Joey Logano is I think he's won out there the last two, the last two races. But if you have to remember something, uh, old Chase Elliott, I believe Chase Elliott won both stages last year, and then coming there, there was a wreck coming down to the end. Um, and uh, I, I, you know what? I just talked myself into picking Chase Elliott. I'm an idiot. Uh, Joey Logano is probably going to win that race, but I just talked myself into picking Chase Elliott. And then for my dark horse, I'm taking A.D. Austin Dillon. I just said a Ford was going to win the race. I took two Chevys. I need serious professional help, Billy. You know what? Uh, I'm I'm going to have to go with Young Ryan Blaney. So I'm going to go. I'm going to take the twelve. And I think I like. I think I like the eleven out there this time. Billy Bradley has the four and the seventeen. I have the nine and the three. Jimmy Wags has a nineteen and the one. And you just heard Rob Lopes. Rob Lopes has the 12 and the 11. For Billy Bradley, for Rob Lopes, this is Dado. Let's go have a hell of a race out in Vegas, y'all. See you in Vegas. See ya.